The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A very warm Monday morning. Welcome to Scorebox with Karen Cho and myself, Steve Sedgwick. And these are your headlines. Asian stocks plummet after President Trump pledges to hike tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese goods in an unexpected escalation of tensions with Beijing. U.S. futures pointing to a sharp decline amid fears the Chinese delegation could pull out of this week's round of trade negotiations. U.S. St. Louis Fed President uh, James Bullard tells CNBC the central bank may have to rethink its strategy as employment in the states drops to its lowest level in nearly half a century. I think we're a little tight uh, on the funds rate, not too much, but uh, a little bit tight. I think the global safe real interest rate short term is about zero. British Prime Minister Theresa May urges opposition leader Jeremy Corbyn to agree a Brexit deal amid concerns cross-party talks could collapse. A very good morning to you. Let me just ask a question before I get into our reads here as well, because I've been thinking about what was the great news out of the United States last Friday, and you and I will talk about this, uh, because whenever more jobs are created, it is great news. That is unambiguous. That's as a human being, regardless of what the markets like or don't like about it, depending on their whim as well. The lowest figures in terms of the unemployment rate since 1969, 3.6% rate. Is that connected to the Trump tweet that set these markets alight and said, valuations of risk on assets plummeting. And I'm wondering, did Mr. Trump feel, do you know what, despite my protestations about lower rates from the Fed, despite the pressure I'm putting on Jay Powell, have I got a bid in the tank that the US economy can absorb the threat of, of escalation of trade? Well, can I tweak more pressure on the Chinese because I'm in a stronger position? I'm just trying to get in the psyche here of a, of a realtor who turned into a president. Uh, you're calling it a Trump card. He thinks he may have had a Trump card and because first of the first of the week report. goes to you, Karen Chay. <laughs> Good morning. Yes. Good morning. <laughs> well, let's just get into the headlines here because the US president, Mr. Trump, has warned that the US will now increase tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese imports to 25% at the end of this week, marking a sharp escalation in tone and sending ripples through markets overnight. The president made the announcement, yes, of course, on Twitter, citing frustration with the slow pace of talks. Hang on. Didn't Mr. Cudlow, didn't Mr. Mnuchin, didn't Mr. Trump himself say the talks were going really, really well? We're close to a deal. Anyway, apparently now it's a slow pace of talks and warned that $325 billion of additional Chinese goods will be taxed, quote, shortly. Hang on a second. Aren't they the consumer goods, the ones that the Americans really buy straight from market? Aren't we really worried about those consumer ones? Anyway, OK, let's just read on. Uh, it marks a U-turn for the communication coming out of the White House, which, as I mentioned, recently, until recently, said that negotiations with Beijing were progressing really, really well. OK, let's have a look at the Asian markets and see where we are currently trading. We have the Shanghai Composite down 5.2%. It hadn't been performing that well beforehand. 6% lower for the Shenzhen as well. The CSI 300 also 5.5% lower. So you can see here uh, the major 
Chinese market is under a lot of pressure. What about the Hang Seng? Well, here we are. The Hang Seng's down 3.3%. A more tempered reaction from the IDX composite and indeed from the ASX 200. So across broader Asia, not quite the same ramifications we're seeing there. But I have done something very rare this Monday morning. I've probably beaten you to the Twitter sphere, and that is stunningly rare because you're on about 10 a day and I'm on less. <laughs> but I've just put out a Reuters explainer, and I hope CNBC excuses me for doing this, because I found a great article on where I see good journalism. I'll write it. About who pays the tariffs? The Chinese or someone else? Have a think about that. The US and companies, right? The US companies importing all of those US tariffs. And the US consumer, yes, absolutely. Yes. Some really interesting stats. Karen, what sorry. jumps out to me, and they're probably worth tweeting about, is how we're starting this week very differently how we wrapped up last week. Mm. I mean, you may recall last week we were looking, pouring over the Fed statements, and there was no rate cut on the horizon. Now if we have a, a wobble again in the US economy, does that mean we're back alive looking at the prospect of a, a Fed rate cut later in the year if US business confidence shows any impact from the tariffs, if we see a further weakening and growth, are we right back to the races in terms of that sort of market confidence that there would be a rate coming through? And currently, 58.5% chance that there will be a Federal Reserve rate cut by the end of this year. That's where we stand right now. Let's see what this means for the currency markets. We may actually be watching a bit of volatility as a result of that. Safe haven flows have been something we've witnessed, which has supported the Japanese yen. In terms of the dollar yuan rate, 6.7785. So some weakening in the Chinese currency on the back of these announcements around fresh tariffs. Euro has weakened with risk appetite, 111.90. There had been a little bit of appetite for sterling dollar. Don't forget there's been some Brexit news, a push to try and get a breakthrough on Brexit this week. That was fairly supportive and pushed us right up to about the 131.80 odd mark. We've come off, off those levels and you can see the extent of the drop morning session, four tenths of a percent lower. Now another casualty has been in the oil space and uh, Steve may challenge me on this, but I do believe uh, we were seeing this market looking for a catalyst to sell off and it has been served up yet another one. US record production figures last week was one of the elements the market watched. Now, this disappointment around trade that we're not progressing towards an end game. You can see uh, the price of Brent down 2%, a sharp fall back below that 70 handle, 2.1 plus percent down on WTI, so 60.6 the handle there. And just a quick look at US futures. We had about 196, uh, 197 odd points on the Dow as we wrapped up shop on the Friday. And you can see the extent of the change. We're implied to open much, much lower. So uh, big drops anticipated, not quite to the size of the falls we saw in China today. Six odd percent coming off the Chinese market early on. Well, a Chinese delegation was due to arrive in Washington for the latest round of trade talks this week, but they could pull out. Eunice June joins us with more from Beijing. Those are the reports that are circling that that trip to Washington will be called off. What are you hearing, Eunice? Well, Karen, what we're hearing is that sources have been telling CNBC that uh, the Chinese may very well back out of the negotiations this week in Washington. Uh, as you were talking about, the U.S. and China looked as though uh, they were coming to some sort of agreement, uh, the trade agreement, possibly as early as this Friday. But because of the tweet uh, that uh, President Trump um, issued uh, late yesterday, uh, he said this, that the 10 percent tariff will go up to 25 percent on Friday and that 325 billion billion dollars of additional goods sent to us by China remain on tax, but will be shortly at a rate of 25%. Because of that tariffs, that really raised a lot of questions as to whether or not the Chinese vice premier was going to continue with his, his visit to Washington. Uh, the Chinese, of course, want to have a trade deal. 
They want to end the economic uncertainty uh, brought on by the tariffs. At the same time, they don't want to appear weak. They don't want to look as though, uh, at least from the uh, domestic public perception uh, perspective, that uh, they have been bullied into um, bullied by the United States. So the vice premier is in a very tough position. Uh, he's bringing supposedly about 100 uh, people from various government agencies with him to D.C. And now he he's in this situation where he could potentially lose a lot of face. Now, uh, some of the sources that I've been talking to here, uh, one in particular uh, told me, uh, who is very familiar with the Chinese side of the negotiation, said that some of the uh, lower level working uh, people have been uh, postponing their trips to D.C., um, but uh, they could still get on those planes and make it there by May 8th. So not completely called off yet, but obviously shows a lot of the fragility in these discussions. Guys? Eunice, thank you very much. It feels like we've seen the script before on the trade talks. And let's take a look at the data. China's services sector in April expanded to its highest point since January 2018, boosted by export sales, according to a private survey. The Cajun services PMI hit 54.5 in April, an increase from March. China's composite PMI for April fell to 52.7, dragged down by a weaker manufacturing sector. Well, China's central bank will cut reserve ratio requirements for small and medium-sized banks as it looks to boost a slowing economy. The move will be effective from May 15th. The PBOC will cut the requirement from the current range of between 10 and 11.5% to 8%. The announcement came after President Trump vowed to hike tariffs on Chinese imports. China's monetary and fiscal easing could push debt levels higher again, according to DBRS. The credit ratings agency currently has a negative view on Chinese sovereign debt, saying the downside risks outweigh the current positives in the economy. I'm delighted to welcome to the show Rahini Malkani, who is lead China analyst at DBRS and joins us now from Mumbai. Rahini, great timing to get you on the show. So thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Uh, first reaction has to be about what Mr. Trump uh, has tweeted about. Do, uh, how bad a situation could this be for talks? How bad could it be for China? Um, thanks very much, uh, Steve. Uh, <clears throat> well, we have seen that uh, the tariffs on uh, uh, China, you know, have been kind of uh, basically been delayed twice. So I would say that uh, I think the, the key thing to note is that U.S.-China relations have moved beyond the trade channel to China's policies supporting various industries. There is now bipartisan support that China's policies are at odds with the global order. And thus, even if there eventually is a trade deal, underlying tensions are likely to remain. Uh, we believe that the future clearly remains uncertain and recent developments have changed the dynamics between the two nations, and both countries must now grapple with new approaches towards competition as well as cooperation. Rahini, um, with or without trade issues, you and others, and I, I read a lot of the IIF copy as well, have been talking about the Chinese debt situation. Your copy says it's stabilised in recent years, but as you know better than I do, there are subsectors within the broader Chinese debt profile that haven't yet stabilised and are still going up quite aggressively. Regardless of trade, should I worry about the Chinese debt profile? Um Yes, thanks, Steve. In fact, actually, you know, as you kind of mentioned in the beginning, a couple of weeks ago, we had changed the, the trend on our A uh, high rating on China from stable to negative. And there were four key reasons for this. One, China's growth is slowing and the policies aimed at rebalancing the, the economy appear to have been paused. Consequently, uh, China's debt ratios, which had stabilized, 
are likely to rise as policies ease and and disinflation rises. Secondly, was the U.S.-China relationship, <clears throat> the, uh, uh, which which we've just kind of discussed. Thirdly, as we've kind of you know been highlighting, China has extensive policy buffers and or resources to avoid an, an abrupt shock, but these buffers are significantly lower than the past. And consequently, its room for policy easing may be constrained. And lastly, while the consolidation of top leadership could make it easier to carry out reform, but it could also mean a greater risk of reduced checks and balances and or policy errors, which could exacerbate imbalances in the future. Um, if I kind of move over quickly to you know the one specific issue on China's debt, as you know, as we all know, China's debt ratio has increased rapidly from 140 percent in 2007 to 255 percent uh, as of today. Now, while the initial credit boom was driven by Beijing stimulus in 2008 following the global financial crisis, the recent uptrend has been due to an increase in basically house, household borrowing. Um, uh, if I have time, I'd just like to kind of add, now some of the increase in debt is clearly to be expected as the economy liberalizes and financial markets deepen. Also, if one kind of looks at the overall level of, of China's debt, it's not out of line with other large economies such as the US, UK or Japan. But the composition is clearly different. China has considerably more corporate debt and less right. household and government debt. And this is what we are worried about. Got it. Rahini, put it in context for us that if we've got these fresh tariffs being lobbed towards China, does China need to get a trade deal done or does it still have leverage at this point? The way I would look at it, it Karen, clearly, uh, you know, China had started its, its deleveraging policies in late December 2016. And then I would say that, you know, sometime in around 2018, because of the intensification of, of the trade war, they did kind of, you know, pause its deleveraging uh, efforts. So the deleveraging that was uh, being done was clearly a move in the right direction to stabilize the debt ratio. Uh, it's difficult for China to kind of handle a trade war and, uh, you know, a deleveraging, uh, de deleveraging concerns at the same time. So clearly, a trade war would, I mean, a, a trade deal for China would be more would would be basically beneficial to the economy. Got it. Thank you very much for joining us. Very much appreciate your perspective this early on a Monday morning. Rahini Malkani, lead China analyst at DBRS. Well, Goldman Sachs analysts believe a trade deal can still be struck despite President Trump's frustration at the pace of negotiations. For more, head to CNBC.com. Now, let's take a quick look at the opening calls here in Europe as we get set up for the trading day on, on some of these markets. You can see there are red arrows uh, across on uh, the Italian FTSE MIB down 413 points early on. We've not seen uh, that extent of a triple-digit decline uh, this early on for some time. 84 off the French market, 190 down for the German stock market, the DAX. Coming up on the show, should the Fed change course? One of the Fed's sitting presidents has told CNBC the central bank's policy is a, quote, little tight as payroll's data shows the U.S. unemployment rate falling to its lowest level since 1969. A mere detail for the administration. Anyway, Warren Buffett has expressed his concern over Kraft Heinz, saying, quote, there's something going on at the food company. There you go. Uh, you can hear more from Buffett later today when he sits down with our US colleagues, 1200 Central European time. 
now, in light of fresh tariffs on the United States, I feel like we're reversing a little bit back to what happened Friday's session. But it is still quite important in talking about the under, uh, underlying fundamentals in the States. And it's U.S. non-farm payrolls for April that uh, the market was watching very closely. They came in much higher than expected. Uh, this was a number that the market was looking for. The U.S. instead adding 263,000 new positions. The unemployment rate has fallen to 3.6% its lowest level since December 1969, 3.6% the handle. The U.S. market reaction, uh, fairly terrific, as you'd expect. Uh, very strong data seized upon by many investors to push up stocks. And uh, the extent of it, three quarters of 1% or 197 points on the Dow, almost 1% on the S&P 500, and even firmer on the tech-heavy Nasdaq, 1.6% uh, north. The Nasdaq uh, closing out with its sixth positive week in a row. So very strong signals there. We had uh, the best uh, day for the S&P in a month. And if you're looking for more appetite elsewhere, away from the three majors, it was the Russell 2000 that outperformed in session, the small cap stock. So it was well and truly risk on. A very different uh, picture likely to transpire today as we see risk off fall away. Let's just take you to U.S. yields as a result because uh, news of fresh towers been lobbed by U.S. President Trump to China as uh, a signaling function, uh, given the lack of progress we're making at this point on a trade deal. We've now got uh, yields being uh, somewhat favoured, uh, 2.53 on the U.S. 10 year at the shorter end of the equation we're looking at 2.33 so uh, perhaps this has been the place to go to don't forget we're having a conversation last week about selling may and go away and typically that means put your money into the bond markets just a couple of very brief points before we move on uh, one did you see mr pence's interview with cnbc at the tail end of last week very interesting he too looking for lower rates as well which i find very interesting given the strength of what we've just talked about mm. there as well i mean and, and the other point i was going to raise is, is the fact that actually the rate uh, on the AHE, you showed a 0.2% figure there. It's 3.2% now, 3.4% in February, so it's come off the highs. But it was averaging 3% in 2018, averaging 2.6% in 2017. At the moment, the data is saying unambiguously that it is really hard to find American jobs at the right price. And a great piece, again, I've been reading all kinds of stuff, not just CNBC.com, but... Uh, the, the, the post I was looking at as well. Great piece about Jessup, Pennsylvania truck drivers. It was in the broader jobs piece as well. $70,000 a year. $70,000 a year uh, advertisements for truck driving jobs plus a $6,000 bonus sign-up in Jessup, Pennsylvania, according to an article in the post. Um, just, just, just underlying how the number one challenge for many U.S. employers is finding people. Yeah, and if you want to start going into the, the higher end, the skilled area where you need a, a college degree to uh, take a job, those positions are even harder to find. So that's where you see wage pressure coming in. Yeah, and business services where we saw the largest gains. 76,000 jobs riding in business services, 33,000 construction, healthcare 27,000 as well. Even the federal government had 12,500 hires. Doesn't April. it jump out to you that after this payrolls data, if you'd still been in the camp thinking there'd be a rate cut this year, how you would have effectively looked like you had egg all over your face, come Monday morning with news of uh, yeah, US trade tariffs, yeah. you still look like Which you could be Which is why I wonder if in Mr. Trump's head, and again, I have no previous information whether the two are connected, as we said. But look, interesting. It's ambiguous still, isn't it? Anyway, look, um, Steve Leisman has uh, caught up with a number of key Federal Reserve policymakers in Palo Alto on Friday to see if the strong jobs report has prompted a change in views on federal interest rate policy. Let's have a look. A very strong jobs report and a strong decline in the unemployment rate, but not a strong reaction from Federal Reserve officials. CNBC interviewed three Fed presidents at the Hoover Institution Monetary Policy Conference, and all thought policy was pretty much in a good place right now, and they're not moved to hike rates because of the stronger growth 
or cut rates because of low inflation. The signal of low inflation was that growth was was going down, but there's no evidence of that. The economy is in a really strong place. So I'm willing to be patient, right, on, on the inflation on the downside as well as inflation on the upside. Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan agrees that the policy rate is in a good place and sees growth this year between two, two and a half percent. That would be weaker than the three percent of last year. And he does have some concerns about global growth, which is a reason he and other Fed officials are not in any hurry to raise rates. I worry that weak growth outside the United States, particularly in Europe, uh, we're not immune to it. And some of that is spilling over. And that, that, and particularly that's the case because you know, almost 50% of S&P 500 earnings and profits come from outside the United States. So I think that's a bigger issue that I think will have some uh, muting effect on GDP growth here. One Fed official, St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard, does believe that rates may be too high, but he's, again, he's in no hurry to cut. I think we're a little tight uh, on the funds rate, not too much, but uh, a little bit tight. I think the global safe real interest rate Short term is about zero. If you add the 2% right. inflation target to that, you get to 2%. We're at 240. Looks, sounds a little bit tight to me. So the consistent message from Fed officials is one of patience, waiting until either inflation rises and forces them to hike, or it falls along with weaker growth and forces a rate cut. Could be months before that happens. Steve Leisman, CNBC Business News, Stanford, California. Meanwhile, the Berkshire Hathaway chairman and CEO Warren Buffett says he doesn't think current conditions can continue. I don't know anything about what's going to happen when or what the Fed is going to do or anything else. But I think that uh, I don't think our present conditions uh, can exist in terms of fiscal and, and monetary policy and, and various other elements of the political landscape. I don't think they can coexist with really low inflation rates over time. But I've been wrong on that for some time, and I may be wrong for a long time in the future. I would say this, there's nobody better to run the Federal Reserve uh, than or be the chairman of it than Jay Powell. I want to pick up on uh, James Bullard's comments from the St. Louis Fed. I mean, a man that we've met and someone who's been watching inflation very, very closely. Mm. And he's he notoriously dovish, though. Yes, but, you know, saying that we're a little bit tight, that's as we've just wrapped up a week. We've had very strong data coming mm. through. Are we a little bit tight if we've got weakening business confidence now around a U.S. Uh, trade war with China that continues where we have no resolution in sight? And don't forget, we were talked right back from the brink as we had a 90-day window and then renegotiation taking place. And we were pulled right back from the, the height of fear around trade for the last couple of months. We're now being pushed right back to the brink again because we've got trade tariffs that have now been lobbed on uh, a huge amount of goods and even more coming. So just about every good coming out of China will effectively have a tariff on it. So we're right on the edge of that cliff face again now. Mm. Look, I, I don't think we're on a cliff face at all. I think we have a balanced economy in many ways. The economy in the US is growing uh, at, a, at a couple of percent. The latest GDP figure has been strong. The latest payroll figure has been strong. The PCE is weak. I think that these markets love a binary solution. They love a move in one way, one direction or other. They love uh, a process so they can, they can be proactive. I mean, momentum trades. You know? So the fact of the matter is, 
we could actually be entering a period of pause and wait and see for a lot longer than these markets think. You were talking at the top of the show about the number of people who think we're going to see a rate cut by the end of the year, and then others still think we're going to see a rate hike. Well, quite frankly, if you've got oscillating, opaque data, why would you move at all? I mean, look at the data we've got this week as well. We've got jolts figures tomorrow, jobless claims on Thursday, and then the key piece of data for the week, in my mind, is the consumer prices data on Friday, which will probably be weak again as well. So why would you move with that as a backdrop? Uncomfortable area, though. We've travelled a long way on US markets, and you know valuations now have moved quite aggressively to the point where we're no longer cheap. But we're not going to get any signalling in the next couple of weeks, really, from the Fed about any potential rate cut. It's still too early. So mm. what do we have? We know we've got tariffs coming, but we know we don't have a US rate cut coming. So that's got to be very uncomfortable for a lot in the market to be chasing. Do we know we have the tariffs coming? That's the other question. I mean, well, you this think is... they're going to be called off now? Um, no, I don't know. I don't know. I think the president has taken a very bold forward step here as well. I think, as we heard from Eunice Yoon there as well, it will sit very ill with the Chinese as well. But are the Chinese in a position where they have to try and get this done as well? Are there ramifications, which we haven't asked yet, down, further down the line, for the US sovereign market as well, for less recycled dollars for that market as well? Is that going to put upward pressure on yields there as well? I don't have the answer to any of these questions. I do think it's particularly bad, though, because the Vice Premier had been dragged back into these discussions to get Lee Herb because mm. there was a sort of intent there to get a deal done. And okay. we saw last time round that he effectively was um, sort of on his way to Washington as well and then talks had not gone in the right direction. He yeah. was somewhat embarrassed by that. So here we are again with the Vice Premier has almost been effectively thrown on the bus by the US administration. It's embarrassing for the Chinese. Um, is it? Very. It's trade negotiation. Why is it embarrassing? Well, the Chinese don't take things, these things kindly. So I can't imagine it would be a positive at this point when you've got scheduled talks. If I was Li Ke, going back to Xi Jinping, I was saying, look, We've been quite tough about this. Um, I've taken your instructions, sir, as well. I, I'd imagine he's doing very little without Xi Jinping telling him what to do. We, we're hearing that this man is the, you know, it has the same kind of level of control over China that Mao used to have as well. I very much doubt Li He is making independent decisions without um, Premier Xi uh, making those calls. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show weekdays on CNBC.